0: Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias at work through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski. For those of you who are new to Unraveling Pink, welcome. Thanks for joining us. A little about what I'm doing with this podcast. This is an attempt to give men and women some conversation starters and some discussion points around gender equality at work to enable you to go out in your daily life and talk with your family, your friends, your, your co-workers about gender issues in the hopes that by having conversations about gender equality, we get there faster. For those of you who are longtime Unraveling Pink listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with me. As you may know or may have noticed, this is a new format from what I've done in the past year and a half or so. In this format, I am tackling things through three segments, starting out with something hopeful, talking through the topic of the week, and then closing as I always do with a challenge or a conversation starter. So this week's topic is women's voices. Here is why I'm hopeful this week. In 2017, Beth Mountains became the first-ever female broadcaster to call an NFL game televised nationally. In 2018, Marisol Castro became the first female announcer for the Mets. Also in 2018, Jenny Kavner became the first woman since 1993 to do play-by-play for a major league television broadcast for the Colorado Rockies. Allie Wagner became the first female game analyst for the Men's World Cup on American television in 2018. And Vicki Sparks made history by becoming the first ever woman to commentate live on a World Cup game also in 2018. So there's kind of this trend of firsts that I'm seeing as the last year and this year progress. I give these examples of women's voices in sports because I think this is one of the toughest areas for women's voices to succeed. Historically, there haven't been a lot of women's voices in men's sports. So the fact that we're seeing all of these firsts in the last year or so in the sports world for women's voices gives me hope. Costa in.
1: Yusufa. Towards Boutaib, cleared away. Amrabat, sporting that protective headgear.
0: That was Vicki Sparks commentating the Portugal-Morocco game during the 2018 World Cup match for British TV, careofmirror.co.uk. So let's dive into this week's topic, which is that women get a ton of criticism about our voices and that it impacts the way we show up in our professions. In my hope section of this podcast, I mentioned Vicki Sparks, the first female commentator for the World Cup. Now, while that was an exciting thing for women who like to see role models and firsts and barriers being broken, she was immediately criticized by, as far as I can tell, mostly men for her voice being too high. And it certainly seemed like it was perceived to be an intrusion into the male sports world, even though plenty of women love sports and watching sports, especially the World Cup. So it was a pretty disappointing reaction because even though it seemed like there was fairly good consensus that she had interesting things to say, a lot of men just weren't able to hear it. Now, this is not all that unusual. Women get criticism of their voices all the time. We get criticism that we have vocal fry, which is when we speak in the lower register and it creates kind of a, a breaking up of the voice or called a fry, vocal fry. That's sort of an example that I demonstrated there for you intentionally. But if we stay away from that lower register to avoid vocal fry, what ends up happening is we might use up talk, which is when we end a sentence with upward inflection, which sounds like a question. And when we do something like that, we get criticism that it makes us sound like we're not confident or we're unsure. Like we're asking a question instead of making a statement. The criticism doesn't end there. We also get criticism that we sound like a little girl if our voices are too high pitched. We get criticism that we speak too softly. But then when we speak more loudly, we're told we sound shrill or angry. We get criticized for things even like Valley speak. I just use the word like there, which is often associated with Valley speak. The result of all these criticisms is that women tend to adjust how we talk. We just want to fit in. We just want to be perceived as competent and confident in our positions, in our work, in our lives. And when we constantly get criticized for the different ways that our voices are different from men's voices, We internalize that, and we try to do something so that we don't get that criticism. And just to be clear, it's not just men who have issues with or criticize women's voices. There was a recent post following the Kavanaugh hearing that I actually already had this episode ready to go, and I thought I needed to include this, so I went back and read to this episode so that I could include this clip. This is a voice actress, Rachel Butera, who is uh, basically making fun of Christine Blasey Ford's voice during the hearing. This is what she says. This is reported in Huffington Post.
1: I don't know if anybody is listening to the Dr. Blasey Ford testimony about Brett Kavanaugh, but this is how I sound. I know it's a surprise to even me that I talk this way and I'm a doctor and a grown woman. I sound like I'm still back at that high school party. Um, I can't help it. I just have this kind of a voice, uh, like a baby, even though I'm a doctor and I'm on this media circus, political stage, and I have kids myself. Uh, I don't know why I speak with vocal fry, um, but you can listen to my testimony and hear that a grown woman sounds this way. Dr. Blasey Ford, thank you.
0: Wow. So that illustrated quite a few of the different types of criticisms that we get of women's voices. Unfortunately, uh, this still happens and it, it comes from both men and women. Um, she later took down that post um, and apologized, not realizing that she was potentially making fun of someone, apparently. I play this just to show how prevalent it is and how uh, comfortable People feel making fun of women's voices, even other women. This comes up a lot in our professions. I know for myself, I struggled with my voice professionally. As a young lawyer, I had many judges tell me to speak up. Speak up, counselor, I can't hear you. Over and over again. (laughs) I even had a Ninth Circuit appellate court judge call me kid during an oral argument. I'm Not sure if it was because of my voice or because I looked too young. I was rocking my gray hair at that point, so I suspect it might have been my voice. I've also struggled with vocal fry and occasionally an uptick or uptalk. I noticed that when I do the uptalk, it tends to be to maybe soften a message so that I don't appear too aggressive For example, making suggestions to male colleagues or judges who might be offended that a woman would dare to suggest something to them. And so I think that softens the message a bit. I don't know if other women use it for that reason, but certainly I think that's subconsciously what was going through my head as I was doing that. Along the way, I've discovered that I have two voices. I have a lower voice, which is more authoritative sounding, I think, but comes with a risk of vocal fry or... I always call it vibrato because it just sounds like my voice shakes and I'm just talking normally. And then I have a higher, more controlled voice that has less risk of vocal fry, but is less authoritative. And that was an example of the second voice. And I would utilize this depending on where I was in my profession and how I needed to show up and how I wanted people to perceive me. But I never felt that. I had a good voice. In fact, I almost didn't start podcasting because I hated my voice so much. (laughs) Eventually, I just got over it. I don't know how many arguments I lost in court or how many listeners I've lost along the way on Unraveling Pink because they don't like my voice, but it's not ultimately my problem. If people can't hear the message that I deliver because of my voice, to me, that's their problem, not mine. I also think this pressure for women to sound like men or to adjust their voices so that they sound more masculine or have lower voices dilutes our uniqueness. One of the interesting things to me is that there are voices that have endured throughout time where those voices were really unique and they endured most likely because they were unique. So a couple that come to mind are... are mostly actors or comedians, but Fran Drescher, who had a very unique voice, Christopher Walken, Gilbert Gottfried, Sarah Silverman, they all have unique voices and I think it was challenging for a lot of people to get past how some of those voices sounded, and maybe they never did, but when you hear them on the radio or you hear audio of them, you know who they are immediately. And I find that the more I listen to podcasts, the more I appreciate a unique voice because it enables me to distinguish who just said what. And I can follow along when there are multiple guests and be able to tell which speaker said which point. So I think as we move more towards audio as a medium and that medium grows, it's even more important that we embrace the uniqueness of our voices and not try to all sound the same. And biologically, this makes sense. Males and females have differently pitched voices. I looked this up because I had no idea, but males often speak at 65 to 260 Hertz, while females speak in the 100 to 525 Hertz range. What's interesting is that there's an overlap there. There's an overlap between 100 and 260 Hertz. So both men and women who speak in that range you would think would be perceived as having voices that don't annoy another gender. And maybe that's the case. I didn't see any studies on that particular range. Another aspect of our biology that I think plays into this is that women tend to have shorter vocal cords and smaller larynxes that naturally make our voices higher. Even though biology kind of dictates what our voice sounds like, and we grow up not really trying to adjust our voices because no one cares when we're kids and our voices change as we grow. At some point, there is pressure, particularly for professional women, to adjust their voices. And it's to adjust to be closer to the male voice. So, for example, there was some research done in Australia that studied the voices of two groups of young women. And these studies took place in the 1940s and the 1990s. What they found was that over that period of time, over five decades, women's voices dropped by 23 hertz. So basically they got deeper. The researchers attributed that to women's rise in society, the fact that they adopted a deeper tone to project authority and dominance at work. So definitely there's pressure on women to adjust to the male ideal. And unfortunately, that involves changing something that's pretty unique to us and changing a part of who we are. Now, these days, the place where criticism of women's voices seems to be at its peak is in politics. Politicians get criticized for everything because they're in the public eye and they are doing public speaking and trying to represent us. So they should get criticized for the issues they raise and the positions that they take. But Female politicians not only get criticized for all those legitimate reasons, they also get criticized for how they deliver it, what their voice sounds like when they are trying to get their messages across. And often I suspect they're not even heard. Their their messages are not heard because people, perhaps primarily men, but I suspect women as well, can't get past the way women sound. I looked into this a bit and it looks like female politicians pretty generally get voice training. I suspect, so that they can eliminate a barrier to, to their message being heard. Um, but they still get criticisms of sounding shrill or yelling. Going back to the 2016 election, I cannot count how many times I heard criticism of Hillary Clinton as shrill or angry or so many other negative adjectives for how she was speaking. And it wasn't about her message. It was about the way she sounded. I don't think I ever heard a compliment of her voice throughout that entire time. And I have to say, I can't recall any criticism of a male voice. I'm sure there's some out there somewhere. There's certainly a disparity among male and female speakers for how they're perceived without even getting to the message, the substance of what they're delivering. And I think this is an increasing problem. The reason I think that is in 2017, women made up 47% of the workforce in the U.S. So we're just about to 50%. And yes, we're likely largely at the lower rungs of the ladder, but certainly we're making up more and more of the workforce. As we approach the 2018 midterm election in the US, early estimates were that we would see 472 women running for House seats and 57 running for Senate seats. So it's pretty clear that women's voices are going to not just not go away, but actually increase both in the workplace and in politics. So it's a good time for us to get over our criticism of how women's voices sound And instead, accept their uniqueness and listen to what they're saying. We might just learn something. As you dive into this week, I would challenge you to consider how you react to the voices around you. Are you silently or out loud judging or criticizing the voices you hear rather than hearing their message? If so, observe whether the voices you criticize are male or female. Maybe it's a mix, maybe it's primarily female. Ask yourself why you have trouble with that voice and try to appreciate the different voices out there across the gender spectrum and actually listen to what they have to say. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. If you go through this experiment and you find that you are criticizing one gender's voice over another or you see places where you're more critical, Even if you're not interested in having your name attributed to that, I would love to hear how people experience this challenge and what comes out of it. For this week's conversation starter, you might consider something like, I heard a podcast that talked about women getting criticized for their voices. Have you ever had someone criticize you for your voice? What did you do about it? This may not change the world, but it can help raise awareness, build bridges, increase empathy, and hopefully start a conversation. Thanks for listening. Go have a conversation with someone about gender this week and let me know how it goes. Let me know what you think about the new format or the content. I'd love to share listener comments or build future episodes around topics of interest to you. You can email me at unravelingpink@gmail.com or message me on Twitter at unravelingpink. If you enjoy Unraveling Pink, please take a few moments to rate or review it on your listening platform. Together, we can start a conversation.